Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. So here we are. We are going to promote here a free sample of our Patreon content. This one is a video Thunderdome. It was the one that we released not all that long ago about nostalgia. So for those of you who somehow or other don't know this by now, we have our Patreon podcast, which is called Gen Extemporaneous After Dark. And that's where we give you some extra content. It costs five bucks a month to enter Patreon membership at the level of friend of Mozart. It's the only level we have. That's right. So you're either a friend of Mozart or you're out. (laughs) (laughs) So, But we highly encourage you if you're looking for more content. It's a lot of fun. It's a little change of pace. All right. So I guess that's all we have to say about it. We can just launch in and let everybody enjoy. And if you like what you hear, just go to www.patreon.com forward slash Gen X Temporaneous, and that's G-E-N-X Temporaneous. And that is where you will find our podcast. Okay, well, good like, contribution. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was amazing. That's a really dumb No, no, no. Wait. Tell them. Tell them. And this is on the internets. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Anything else? I don't know You why. will hear us speaking English <laughs> into our microphones. <laughs> Anything else you want to share that you think you... No, that's it? Okay. I think I've said it. <laughs> you certainly have. Just enough. All right. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Enjoy. Wow, don't say goodbye. Well, How about Hasta La Vista? Or, okay, you know, well, come back and see us again. Derchi. Okay, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We're back for another episode of Video Thunderdome. Four videos, three heats, two podcasters, one theme. Today, our theme will be nostalgia, and we have selected four great videos from the 1980s heyday of MTV. We will be talking a little bit about the artists, the songs, and then diving into critique the videos themselves. We will be subjecting each video to our Beavis and Butthead rating system, and in the end, we will declare a single winner. Welcome to Gen Extemporaneous After Dark. Oh yeah. Sex and chocolate. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Christina LaRusso? Yes. Two podcasters enter, one podcaster leaves. No, no. Four <laughs> songs yes. enter, one song walks nope, out victorious. it's you and me. Nope. Against each other. Definitely not. Well, whatever. That's not how it I is. I would say that too if I was up against me because I am intimidating. <laughs> you are not. Are you sure? Of the two of us, who do you think has done some research? <laughs> uh, not this boy. I know. I watched the videos. Okay, okay. Some of them. All right. So at let, one point. Let's talk about... A rating system and then the tropes yeah, that we will be looking good. for. All right. So first of all, the tropes. What are our tropes? There all are right. certain tropes that we expect in an 80s video. The more of these tropes that appear in the video, it may be better or worse, yeah. but it will be absolutely the, the happier it makes me. I can tell you that. All 100%. right. So black and white for gravitas. Mm-hmm. Hair as a character. Women as props, which is my favorite, personally. Post-apocalyptic and apocalyptic imagery. And meaningless symbolism. <laughs> there is usually a lot. Which is my lot. second favorite <laughs> it's of all of That's a lot of that, usually. All right. Um, so that's our tropes. We're going to be looking for those. It's not a make or break thing, but it is, if they are there, it's they're more likely to get. It makes me get. happier, and I tend to be more generous of spirit yeah. at that point. <laughs> yes. All right. So our rating system, however, is based on the beavis and butthead cartoon yeah this sucks (laughs) that's for videos that are not good at all yes yes which is a good video right we watch it again it's just it's good it's good it's fine and then what's the highest rating this rocks this rocks yeah and we are going to go through all of our our all of our video thunderdome episodes and tally everything up at the end of the year and give them an arbitrary score and and declare a winner and declare a winner for the year and then we'll continue on into next year All right. So today, as I mentioned in our introduction, the theme is nostalgia. So for all of the previous episodes, we spent a lot more time on sort of the trivia around the song and the band and everything else. I like that. 
It was good, but we're going to try it a different way. And then we're going to throw this, we're going to do this for a couple of weeks and then throw it out to the viewers and say, do you, which do you like better? And maybe you don't like this at all and yeah. we should do something else. So we're going to put this. I mean, um, that's a lot of viewers to interview, but okay. We'll just see who responds to us, sends us an email, whatever. Okay. So what we're going to do now is talk more about the theme. And then we are going to dive into the videos and the songs. We're going to just kind of be an overview on the song, but then really look at the video and see how well it fits into the theme. Now, this is not the fault of the band. If anything, they it didn't is come the up fault, with the theme. <laughs> it is the fault of me for selecting them. Selecting them. But let's see how well I do. So well, maybe I get I mean, a score. I'm, all, at the I'm end on of this. board to criticize you, so <laughs> that's fine. All right, I think that I've done a pretty good job with nostalgia. Well, you always on these. think that, though. I don't know. I feel like I've done a pretty good job with nostalgia because these songs you. are layered nostalgia. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the theme, which is nostalgia. Psychologists have been studying nostalgia and its psychological role in people's lives for many years. I remember when psycho psychologists <laughs> used to study nostalgia. It was so great. I loved that about <laughs> oh, them. Oh, see, look at you. <laughs> All right. So doctor, her name is Dr. Christine Bacho. And she, oh, appeared, she was really great back in the day. She appeared on the podcast. <laughs> she peaked in high school, though. So. <laughs> she appeared on the podcast speaking of psychology. And she noted nostalgia is an emotional experience that unifies. One example of this is it helps to unite our sense of who we are, our self, our identity over time, because over time we change constantly. We change in incredible ways. We're not anywhere near the same as we were when we were three years old, for example. I think you overestimate my <laughs> mental and personal uh, growth. Growth, yes. <laughs> All right. She continues on saying nostalgia by motivating us to remember the past in our own life helps to unify us to that authentic self and remind us of who we have been and then compare that to who we feel we are today. Well, I think there's a little bit of a question whether you want to couch nostalgia in terms of authenticity. Because to me, one of the defining characteristics of nostalgia is an inaccurate kind of rose-colored glasses view of the past. I don't disagree with you. Like you're never going to be nostalgic for like, God, the 80s, remember when everybody just smoked in every restaurant? I mean, nobody's <laughs> going to, like, when we talk about the 80s, we don't talk about shit like that usually because we want to remember it fondly, and that was a shitty thing about the 80s. Well, right, but nostalgia by its very essence is positive. Is, right, so, but it does bring you back to that kind of idealistic person that you may have been then in spite of all of that. And I think that has to do with reconciling you with your youth. Remember, this is psychologists talking yeah. about this. So there's a high well, likelihood that they're saying, you know how I feel about them. There's a high likelihood that they're saying that there's a, a pure essence. And you know, some people might call it your inner child, but there's a pure essence of who you were before life broke you. Here's what I, okay, so I understand that and I think that's a reasonable take. I just think it's super wrong. Well, maybe, but Here's you what still I think. can be I nostalgic. Think what, I think what we do. You're, you're nostalgic all the time. Oh, I love nostalgia. I love thinking about, but here's what I think I do and I'll cop to this, right? I'm actually creating the person I wanted to be back then. Yeah. Right? I'm not, you know, if I think about myself in the 80s, do, do, I, do I have a realistic take? No, not really. Right? No, I have a realistic take. I know who I was in the well, 80s. You were five. So, okay, let's not no, get too crazy about I was that. In the 80s, between 80 and 89, I was 10 to Oh, nine. 10. I'm so sorry. I forgot you were you so just, mature. You just hope that I'm younger than I am. <laughs> yes. So maybe. So, but I, I do think that what we do is we use it as a way to kind of, you know, like we're talking about our past but we like to rewrite it a little bit right but it also brings you back in touch with with that idealist all right so there are two different kinds of nostalgias actually at this point now they think that there are multiple forms of nostalgia but we're really going to talk about reference to that are very well developed in the okay. scholarship okay first of all is personal nostalgia right which we and we had this debate in episode 39 which was Nostalgia and the Tao of Whitey 18. Yes. Can you be nostalgic for a time that you, you didn't, didn't live, live in? in. Right. All right. So there's now an understanding from scholars that there is a personal nostalgia, which is nostalgia for your own past. And then there is a second nostalgia, 
which is called historical nostalgia. For times gone by. And that is people who show like a, a longing for a historical era that has you never lived through yeah. but that you idealize in some way and that's what we talked about 1950s so like people who were born in the 1970s watching happy days in right. the late 70s and right. the early which i 80s, definitely did we're nostalgic then and and our a lot of our generation was really nostalgic for the 1950s yeah. we never lived through that now you know my take on historical nostalgia all right tell me about that it's all garbage because they didn't have air conditioning. Nobody wants to go I back know. there. I know. Okay. Well, some people do. They, they think they do. But they want air con And they did have air conditioning they, in the 50s. Well, so barely. If you lived in Florida. Why do you think scholars uh, feel that people are nostalgic, like historically nostalgic, nostalgic for different times? I think it's just kind of a, a little bit of a grass is greener type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where like you're in tough times now, but yeah. I'm sure it's not, it was much better in the fifties when we discriminated against black people all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. That was so great. Well, all right. So that's it. Triggered by dissatisfaction with the present. Okay. So that's it. You're dissatisfied with what you're living in now. Right. And These so then times you idealize right. a time that you never lived through, but looks good yeah. on paper. Well, of it course, did. how things look on paper aren't yeah, how they because really we're, we're watching, you know, Father Knows Best and, hap, like you said, Happy Days. And, it, of course, it looks better because it's just a fucking TV show. Right. Right? They're not going to show, you know, the economic struggles or social strife or, mm -hmm. you know, racial discrimination or, God forbid, you couldn't even be gay. So, of course, it, you know, they whitewash it, literally whitewash it, mm -hmm. and it looks great to us, right? right. And, they're, and the same with any other kind of girls that I knew kind of idealized a very sanitized, romanticized version of the Middle Ages. Where's my prince? Yeah, when most people are peasants yeah, and worse. And, <laughs> yeah, and you were lucky if your prince didn't just rape you, right? Well, true enough. I mean, With it, no and consequences. It, and, it, and no consequences at all. Um, all right, so let's talk about a little bit about personal nostalgia then. So tell me what you think personal nostalgia, where does that stem from and what do you think? that's all about well a little bit it's a little similar i think to historical nostalgia in the sense that i'm older now you think back on better times right oh i remember when i was a kid and things were so easy and fun and they were but it's also just it's natural for humans to revisit their memories and to idealize them and it's a fond remembrance of your past mm -hmm. and it's probably not accurate at all well right and that and that's really it it's sort of like bringing you back to a place of personal safety to where you remember things maybe to be better than they were some people know though that's not true across the board but no some people have people trauma have trauma that, in their that past they haven't, that, they, that they can't escape right. it's a really nostalgia is a highly social emotion i guess is more what i want to yeah. say you experience it on your own but it is an experience generally of past connections yeah it's hard to it's weird a little bit to me to be nostalgic by myself yeah. but when i talk about it with you then it's it brings it more alive it's a lot more fun and we can reinforce each other's feelings yep. about the 80s all yeah. right so what what i want to talk about now are our videos and the, our songs that we chose right so we've got in heat one we have Don Henley, The Boys of Summer. That's the one I'm going to be talking about. And then John, uh, John, then Mark is going to be talking about John Fogarty's Center Field. Uh, so I'm going to just talk about Don Henley briefly. Uh, General Facts, it was a song released in 1984 uh, by Don Henley, vocalist and drummer for The Eagles. This was his first solo work. And the lyrics of this were written by Henley, and mu music was composed by Mike Campbell of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh. Yeah, he, he wrote know the music. That. And he actually offered it initially to Tom Petty. That would have actually been a good song. And Tom Petty turned it down and he said, too many synthesizers. So Don yeah. Henley took it over and he wrote the lyrics to it. And here we have The Boys of Summer. Um this was the lead single from Henley's. Uh, this this album was amazing. Building the Perfect Beast. Yeah, I love that. Album. It's a good album. Um, and it was released on October 26th of 1984. It reached number five on the Billboard 
Hot 100 in the U.S. The music video ended up winning several awards. It won for Video of the Year, Best Director, Best Art Direction, and Best Cinematography in 1985 at the MTV Music Awards. And this was only the second year that the MTV Music Awards were held. All right. So let's talk about the way nostalgia plays out in this song. First of all, for me, the song is nostalgic on multiple levels. It's nostalgic because it is longing for a lost relationship. So that's a very close by personal nostalgia, right? For yes. a relationship that's just right. broken up. It's not up. historical. It's not historical and it's not Unless even like... Unless your relationship with, with, was with like Anne Boleyn. <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or I or remember back to when I was a kid. This right? is like this four is like, years ago. I, I'm remembering back ago. to last year. Yeah. like Or I'm, I'm remembering back to before the summer, right? Okay. And then he's created the name of a song, The Boys of Summer, which references one of what I would argue is the most nostalgic inducing things that really is part of American culture. Absolutely. Which is baseball. Of course. So that name, The Boys of Summer, was taken from a 1972 baseball book by Roger Kahn called The Boys of Summer, which is about the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. Prior to their move from the East Coast to the West Coast. Correct. And this was like a very devastating thing, evidently, in the world of baseball. Brooklyn was very unhappy. <laughs> after that happened. Okay. And then also... I would say that it's nostalgic because if you think about nostalgia in like little slices, so we're talking about nostalgia for your entire lifespan. So you might be nostalgic for your life as a child. You might be nostalgic for your life in a relationship, which I, which the song is about. Yes. But then also I think that there can be nostalgia within a year and the end of summer is always that time that right. is you kind of you kind of look at summer and you go summer is this really sort of halcyon period well, in a for year. For all the time that I've known you, you've always been very big on the hot girl summer. <laughs> <laughs> you wacko. as soon as June hits, she's like, "It's hot girl summer." I'm like, well, "No, okay, but are you, do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. What do hot girls do today? No, yeah. that is not at all what I do in my life. <laughs> Back when life was measured in semesters and breaks summer was the magical time you're right it was it was a very short-term immediate nostalgia right you're like oh now we're back in school but man you know it was so great mm-hmm. we were going to the beach and hitting clubs and mm-hmm. whatever and it's weird to talk about nostalgia that recently but that's how humans work so it, we're, it very, really, we're very brief creatures it so. really is let's look at the video together and I then mean, i've we been waiting will, for that for like 10 minutes now and then so. we will come back and we will talk about the song I think this song is actually on both sides of the argument. It's extolling nostalgic feelings. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's attacking them. Okay, that's an interesting take. Okay, so let's see. Um, There's, I think, three ways in which it's telling you that, you know, you shouldn't be wallowing in nostalgia. The most obvious is probably the most famous line of this song. You know, you have a deadhead sticker on because you're talking, you know, you're you're reminiscing and you want to represent your hippie days, but you're driving a fucking Cadillac, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, So he's basically saying, you know, you're pretending that you're still that guy. Mm-hmm. You're not that guy guy. 
Well, that's his judgment. Well, in his I mean, heart of that's hearts, correct. that guy could be like, I still would follow the dead around. I'm just going to do it from my Cadillac. Yeah. See, I mean, I don't think I mean, that's you might a correct lose some take. credibility. Yeah, you but, definitely lose some hippie right. cred. All right, but that actually is a true thing that happened. He was driving. Oh, I believe and, it. Uh, and I can't remember if it was like the Pacific Coast Highway or yeah. whatever. It would be very poetic if it was. Um, and he um, he saw a Cadillac drive by and it had a right. Grateful Dead sticker it's, on it's it. It's kind of so I make a joke sometimes about how, you know, like I'm cool because I have a tie dye shirt that I bought at Target. Right. right. I mean, I bought a Target three years ago. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's that same sort of thing where it's just a weird juxtaposition where you're trying to say, oh, yeah, I was a deadhead, which is, you know, classically very, uh, you know, it, you're a renegade, you're anti-societal, anti-government, anti-capitalist, and you're driving a Cadillac. And you're driving right? a Cadillac. So, oh, so that's, that's one point. Um, then he's referencing the boys of summer. But as an adversary. So the boys of summer, either the baseball illusion, but really the guys she was hanging out with during the summer. The guys she was meeting during the summer. And he's like, but I'll be here after those guys are gone. Right. Right. So really what you should be focusing on is the here and now, Mm -hmm. which is Don Henley and not, you know, Chad from the summer. And I see that very differently. What I see is, is that he says he's nostalgic for the relationship that he has lost and he is saying, I'm going to get you back. I am coming back. You're, we're going to get back together. You're, you're involved with these other guys, but we, this is going to happen. I'm going to get you back. And for me, that means that he's, he's so nostalgic that he's unwilling to move forward with his future. And ultimately, I think he realizes, you know, it's probably not going to happen. I do think that in the end, he knows it's probably... The, the, the end is the end and that's it. But he's going to try for a little while. But yes, I do understand where it's the boys of summer, which gives you that baseball feel, which immediately strikes a note of nostalgia. And then also he's saying the literal guys that you've been hooking up this right. with this summer. Well, I mean, let's not denigrate her. Maybe she only had one guy. <laughs> well, whatever. Right. Let's not I'm, slut shame her. Here. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm more the more the merrier now. The biggest statement against nostalgia in this entire song. Uh huh. Are you ready? Yeah. Don't look back. You, you can, can never, never look, look back. back. <laughs> I thought I knew what love was. What did I know? Those days are gone forever. That's right. I should just let them go. But, but, <laughs> but you did look hot I in your sunglasses. You <laughs> with your brown skin and your sunglasses That's on, right. right? So it's always that but. It's the but and the ellipsis, actually, at the end of that song. Yes. But I really think that's really kind of the message is, you know, I know I'm going to get sucked into this nostalgia thing, mm-hmm. but really, I know I shouldn't. Yeah. And again, this isn't him saying I'm nostalgic for my life as a youngster. He's saying I'm nostalgic for this relationship. So there's right. a difference between saying I'm nostalgic for the sake of my youth and right, I'm, tr- right. I'm trying to reconnect with that sense of uh, purpose or um, we talked about it in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that sense of possibility and courage that you have yeah. when you're young. And and it's different. He's not doing that. He's not singing that song about that. If I, he was singing this song about that, it would sound very different. I, in this case, he's talking about a relationship that was right. potentially toxic, that right. was potentially but I think not the good lens, for him. I think the lens is a little longer than you're giving it credit for. Like, I don't think this is October. And this was and, May and that they, they were and, together? Yeah, no, I don't you think never so. Know. Could have I, been. I, I feel, it feels because the, the illusions are all, you know, they're all longer term than that, right? They're showing, you know, uh, old baseball stuff. And they're talking about baseball, which is, you know, very long historically. They have a young kid playing the drums, right? That's his youth. That's his youth, I think. Right. And, you know, he could be 40 now looking back on a relationship when he was 24 right maybe i could be that but i i don't i don't know i don't get the i, I don't get the impression so that i'm, that's the I'm gonna say in general this song comes off as nostalgic but anti-nostalgic i think that that's fair it's nostalgic for a relationship and he realizes that that's just never really going to be a thing right. so now if this was a well. poem 
or a work of literature, I would talk about, you know, he's creating a tension, and maybe this is a little too elevated for the what this song is, but he's creating that tension between the present and the mm-hmm. past, right? Mm-hmm. And he's exploring that tension and talking about the power of the past, but that it's a trap, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really kind of where he kind of comes down on this, which is the allure of the nostalgia is so strong and I'm going to get sucked back into it because you really look good in those sunglasses. <laughs> but I know that it's wrong. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the technicalities behind the video. Right. And then we'll talk about what we've seen, what we, we see in the video. Okay, so the director was Jean-Baptiste Mondino, who was a French graphic designer, photographer. And he was himself nostalgic for, like, old Hollywood. And I think that comes through in the video because, as I was saying to you as we were watching it, the figures on the beach and the and yeah. the figure by the pool uh-huh. are very... One was Lolita-ish and yeah. the other was From Here to Eternity. Yeah, it looked very From Here to mm-hmm. Eternity and, you know... Uh, just that 40s, 50s Hollywood glam look. Yes, and there's uh, there's another thing that goes on in this video where men who are very physically fit are jumping behind uh, chain link yeah, fences. Yeah, didn't get that at all. I think that, Is that just might old be old calisthenics. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that might be a reference to Suddenly Last Summer. What? Which was a film with Elizabeth Taylor and I want to say Montgomery Clift, but I mean, I, I, like I know Elizabeth Taylor do. was in yeah. it. It was very. And it, and the, and that had to do with like some homosexual things where Elizabeth Taylor, I don't know, I like I I'm not quite sure what that whole story was about, but I think it was about Elizabeth Taylor. And there's this famous scene where she goes down to the beach. Uh, they're in Muscle Beach or whatever. No, they're in Italy. Oh, and they go. She goes down into the ocean, and there are boys who are standing on the other side of a chain link fence, and it's very like they're like staring like they're at her. in prison I, yeah i don't know it's a weird it's a weird kind of really aggressive Did they jump scene. up and down like that no they don't but that's with the chain link fence i'm you like what, right. what else I could mean, that be if that's the if that's what it immediately evoked in you then you're for probably me it right. did but, yeah. I, but i saw I that film movie, you haven't so. seen that movie so the director of this said that when he got to la he was very disappointed because he said they've lost the glamour they that was all yeah. gone or that was fading and so what he wanted to do is try and recapture some of yeah. that which is i think he did a great job of that and i don't know that i really get well i guess i get a california vibe Oh, it's definitely a California. But it's, you know, and it is. And it's very, like, they've got this. That's definitely the Pacific Ocean. 100%. It's sunset, as a matter of fact. But That's a giveaway, (laughs) geographically. They've got, like, a film that's an old-time film going in the background of the scene. But it looks like it's out the window. Yeah, it's, like, projected outside the the, the scene. It's it's good cinematography. It is, and they won for that, too. Yeah. The child playing the drums, we talked about this a little. Do you think that's Don Henley? That's I think that's be, Don, that's I mean, like my Don Henley plays the drums, plays little the kids drum. playing the drums. Yeah. If you, I mean, if it's something other than that, they should have made it clearer yeah. because it definitely seems to me like that's Don Henley. Yeah, and I would say also, and here, here I just feel like this is representing, he's looking at that film that's showing uh, the early days of a relationship because yeah. who else is doing that on a beach I mean, unless you're in the early days Are you days swirling of around the beach when you're you've not. been together for 10 years? No. <laughs> I mean, it depends, I guess, if you're on vacation, but yeah. you're probably not doing that in, in yeah. real time. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not down to Mac on the beach a little bit. No. But there's probably know, not as much frolicking. No, you know? it's not like the <laughs> leaping and running to no, the I surf I almost never leap and or run <laughs> in the surf anymore. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the tropes. Okay. Well, we've got some. One is black and white for gravitas. The, the entire whole video thing. is all black all and white. All black and white. For that gritty, nostalgic, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So yep. 100% black and white for gravitas. Mm-hmm. As Hair as a character, no. no. Women as a prop, no. No. Post apocalyptic or apocalyptic imagery, there was no bomb. Nothing like that. And no. then um, the last one is meaningless symbolism. I think I'm going to give the guys jumping up and down at the fence the meaningless symbolism. You might ascribe some meaning to it, but I didn't see the movie that you were describing. So I'm no. going to say meaningless. I mean, I think that, that you're right. I think that 
you could say that, and, and then that's fair. Um, Plus, the I mean, the kid playing the drums is a little... Also, the film a, playing in the background. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you're very... It's it's layers. I'm just saying, it's layers on Look, layers a, on layers. It's a well-made video. There's a reason why this one video of the year or whatever it won, right? Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's got some of the, you know. I mean, the drum has the peace symbol on it on right, the front. that's a little heavy-handed. Like, I mean, yeah. what are we doing here? Come on. Come on, Jean-Claude. <laughs> or whatever your name is. Uh, yeah, but I think overall, um, I'm going to give this on a rating system. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a This Rocks. It, this Rocks. It rocks. Yeah. I like those old dudes, like, dancing on the beach. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a, it's a great historically great video and i can watch this video multiple times i never get tired yeah. of this song it's just yeah. a really great piece of art honestly yeah. all right so our next video in this heat is going to be john fogarty formerly of ccr and his song center field ding 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 <laughs> all right so uh, every i hear that anytime i hear the word center field i, I hear that guitar opening Okay, so general facts about Centerfield. It is the title track from John Fogarty's album, which was also called Centerfield. Yeah, now he had been done with CCR for like eight or nine years. 11 years. Wow, yeah, yeah, for a long time. And then this is his comeback. This was his comeback, and there was like some legal reasons that he didn't record or do whatever. So anyway, he came back with this album, Centerfield, and this was the title track. It was originally the B-side of the album's second single. What was the what was the single? That Rock the, and Roll Girls. Okay, that one never went I anywhere. Know, right. <laughs> Whereas Centerfield uh, blew up well, like the, a motherfucker. It's at number sixteen U.S. Spring in nineteen eighty five. I don't remember that song at all. The song is now commonly played at baseball fields oh, yeah. at and all it, levels. And, it, like and it's kids. been honored in the Baseball Hall of Fame, right. which is the only song ever, which is shocking because you would think "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" might be in there somewhere. <laughs> right. But but um, it plays constantly oh, on yeah. a loop. At, yeah. Which, I mean, it's amazing, so why not? Uh, it is, along with Take Me Out to the Ball Game, it is one of the best-known baseball songs, and it reached... This was hard for me to imagine. What, Number five? It, no. What? 44. That's it? Yeah. All right, well, whatever. Fuck those. In guys. the U.S. Hot 100. Americans right. are stupid. <laughs> so, Fogarty claims that this song was... Inspired by his childhood memories of baseball, and although he himself did not play the game, right, his of course he loved watching it, and his and he really enjoyed the stories that his father would tell him yeah, because he was he was raised like out west, out in west, San Francisco, yep. and they had no teams then. Mm -mm. There were no teams at that point, so they followed the Yankees because. Joe DiMaggio was from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you're going to follow a guy, Joe DiMaggio is a pretty good choice, mm -hmm. right? I mean, he was Mr. Baseball. Mm -hmm. Great player, legendary, Marilyn Monroe, the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. he and he was a gentleman, at least yep. seen that way, right? So, you know, if you're going to follow a, a, a guy, that's probably a pretty good choice. All right. So he uh, would said that he would hear about, like, Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and yeah. Luke but Gehrig and He always and all thought the that the center fielder was kind of the best player, which often they were, right? I mean. Really? Because center field is tougher to play because you have to cover a lot of fucking ground, right? In center field, mm -hmm. and typically they would have their one of their better best players would be center field. Mickey Mantle played center field. Obviously, Joe DiMaggio was center field, etc. In his head, he romanticized that position, especially the Yankees center fielder, huh. right? Because that's, I mean, the Yankees were the shit back in the day. Well, they're terrible now. We hate them all. They're, they're <laughs> I don't know. I think that we have some people that we like that really love the Yankees. Well, they're misguided. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's talk about what is sentimental about this song. This song, and I'm sure we'll try to impose some meaning on it. This is a pure baseball is awesome. I love baseball. I love the history of baseball. Mm -hmm. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Mm -hmm. Right? That's really what it is. It's a nostalgic look back on baseball where our previous video was more, a little bit more cynical about nostalgia. This is basically saying, no, nostalgia is great. Baseball mm -hmm. is 100% nostalgia. As you pointed out earlier, it is really, especially obviously for Americans, but it is really 
baseball is nostalgia. Why Why is baseball nostalgia? Well, I think a, a couple of reasons. First of all, it was the first great sport in the United States, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it started around the Civil War. It became our defining game. All the greatest athletes at that point were playing baseball. Neighborhood kids played baseball every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't overtaken by football until maybe like the 70s and 80s. Um, so it's re- it was just, and it's, and it also has a very strong, I think the statistical nature of it enables its nostalgia. Because you can, if you are, if you know enough about baseball scoring, you can go back and just look at the score card of an old baseball game and play it in your head. Because it tells you that much detail. It'll say, oh, DiMaggio walked, he stole second, and he was tripled home. Or whatever, Lou Gehrig gets on and Babe Ruth hits a home run. You know, and, it, and they were really lionized to the extent that you don't even see even today in our celebrity-obsessed culture uh-huh. because now we lionize them and then tear them down. Back uh-huh. then, you just pumped them up, uh-huh. right? They were gods on earth. Yeah, even if they did crazy things. Like Babe Ruth is a good example. Oh, yeah. He was a wild man. He was. He was like intemper- intemperate, let's just say. Yes, definitely. <laughs> In all of his appetites. And everything. And so was Mickey Mantle, right? Uh-huh. Mickey Mantle was, you know, he would show up to games drunk, but he was so good and we wanted them to be so good. Uh-huh. Right. The sports writers wanted them to be good. If they made mistakes, they would call them out for those mistakes. Cause yeah. you got to think about oh, yeah. there like some, yeah, 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 like yeah. stuff like that. All right. I agree with you. Baseball is a very nostalgic sport. Every time that I see old timey baseball, I get nostalgic yeah. for it. And he references in the song, a number of historic historical guys. I will identify as we watch this video, every it's single baseball player, Willie Mays, Ty Cobb and Joe DiMaggio that he references. Okay. All right. So let's watch the video. So one of the fun things about this video right off the bat. It features our hometown. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a big sign because the Dodgers used to do spring training here uh, at Dodger Town. At Dodger Town. There's, there's still a place there. here in Vero Beach called Dodger Town. So the big sign in the beginning mm-hmm. says Vero Beach, the Dodgers, right? Yeah. So that was really pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I had never noticed that until I watched it again. Right. This yeah. Episode, How would you so. notice? You would never know. Yeah. So this video is all just, it, there's, it's not a performance video at all he's not in this it is all just clips of baseball cards and and film stock footage from baseball games in the past always in the past so i mean it doesn't really go much past 1950s right right there's i mean it's all black and white and the yeah the uh, latest it goes i don't i didn't even see much in the way of the 60s there like you didn't see a lot of mantle and may and uh and maris Mm mm-hmm but it's Ted Williams and Babe Ruth and Willie Luke Mays. Gehrig and Willie Mays yeah. and uh, Hank Maggio, Aaron obviously. was in there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. it's a great uh, video. There's nothing I could say wrong about this video. No, and I mean, what more do you want? You, I, I could watch this video a bunch of times. It's like watching... Um, Ken Burns baseball. It really is. But a really compact version yeah. of it. Yeah, so, I mean, I am, I think... I consider myself an aficionado of baseball songs. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of baseball songs. Oh, okay. And in fact, when Matthew was young, mm-hmm. I bought him him. I bought him not for myself, of course, for him. Mm-hmm. But we bought this CD of old time baseball songs. And in my opinion, and of course, you know, all the biggies take me out to the ball mm-hmm. game. Um, there's a Jackie Robinson song, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great songs there. This is great song, which is just this guy singing weird names of baseball players called Van Lingle Mungo. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like sings their name, their names in like a really jazzy way. But to my, in my mind, this is 
easily the best baseball song of all time. Right. Because it doesn't just say, hey, baseball, baseball, but he's like, you know, he's he's in the position of a young kid wanting to get into the game, uh-huh. right? And that's really what baseball is all about, is that aspiration of young kids to step into the shoes of these greats. Uh-huh. Who are truly greats, right? These were the greatest athletes of their day. And this is not an easy game to play. Now, well, someone like no. me, I go to baseball games and I think this is so boring because it's just, it's long and it's, it, there's not a lot of action well, and, and, and at it, all times. Yeah. There's a certain rhythm to baseball and it's not a fast rhythm, right? It's no. not like football where you stand around for a minute, but then there's this huge explosion, an earthquake of yeah. humans. It right? really comes down to the, the pitcher and the hitter at a certain point and yeah. then ultimately what, you know, whatever happens, if the yeah. hitter hits, then the others come into play. Right. But, um, so for me, I always say about baseball, you can watch the highlights and really get the gist of the game, but that's I not what miss, the game yeah, is all I about, think I you, think. Yeah, you definitely miss out on that. And I think one of the greatest things that you can ever do for a young sports fan is teach them how to keep score at a baseball game. Because mm-hmm. there's a very particular religious ritual type way of Uh keeping score at a baseball game. Uh You have the special notebook, right? Uh And every single thing that happens, you pretty much can make some kind of weird shorthand Uh notation on it. And it allows them to be invested in the game, Uh right? You care about every single play because you have to record it. Uh And you can then recreate that memory later on. Uh So like if you go with your dad to a ball game, you kept score together, right? And he passes away. Then 10 years later, you can pull that out and, and replay that game right. that you guys went to. And I think that the rhythm of baseball, it, it isn't as attractive now in the kind of, you know, post MTV age and the fast moving society we're in mm-hmm. now where it's all splash. And, you know, even baseball is different now because now baseball is pretty much try to hit a home run every time you're up. Right, they're just going for the big home run every time, and they don't. If you strike out two hundred times in a the season, they're fine with that, as long as you hit forty homers. Mm-hmm. Right, that's just the way the game has changed. But back in the day, there was a lot more strategy, and there was you know stealing bases and hit and run, mm-hmm. and you know uh, trying to stretch a single into a double, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And just the rhythm of the game is where the magic is. And not everybody will get that, right? Which so, is but fine. That's interesting because now you're showing a nostalgia for the way the game used to be oh, played. Oh, absolutely. That's interesting. Okay, so one of the other things that he says this song is about is not just baseball, which it ob- clearly obviously baseball. is about baseball. Yeah. It's about being able to say, I'm ready to overcome obstacles right. or I'm hurdles. Stepping up. I'm stepping up. Yeah. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for that. And yeah. it's metaphorical at that point, right? So it's not necessarily I'm stepping up to go and play center field, but right. I'm stepping up to the challenge because as you described it, center field is a challenging position to play. It is. All right, so let's go through the tropes of this. Obviously, black and white for gravitas. I mean, they were <laughs> based on the period of time they chose to uh, show here. There was only black and white. There <laughs> but, was no I mean, color choice. All right, but so yes. but the gravitas that we're yeah. talking about in terms of black and white is nostalgia. Absolutely. At this time, for somebody to film a video, and this goes for the Boys, Boys of, of Summer, summer yeah. filming it in black and white is automatically to the audience of this going yeah. to take you back. Absolutely. And you know, you're either nostalgic for something you used to experience yourself yeah. or it makes you nostalgic just because, you know, historically it's it's historical. One of the first scenes is the guy is at the turnstile taking tickets. Not only is it black and white, but the guys are all wearing, the men are all wearing suits. suits. The definitely. women are wearing hats. Yeah. You know, it's like a whole thing. Right? This is Well, it was a very serious outing, right? Yeah. All right. The rest of the tropes, no. It's just baseball, baseball, it's baseball. baseball. And it's. All 100% nostalgia. Okay, so you got to give it to This Rocks. You do have to give it to This Rocks. First of all, it's unlike the pra- the previous song, it is 100% pro-nostalgia. Yeah. Right? They're not saying anything bad about watching the babe, you know, hit the ball. No. Right? Even though, you know, they allow for disappointment because he does reference Casey at the bat, of mm-hmm. course. But it's all 100% 
nostalgia rocks. Yep. And the song fucking rocks. And it, the song like is I said, great. it's the greatest baseball song of all time, and I will die on that hill. Okay. Um, so that kind of leaves us off there with with this song. I mean, there's no, not, I mean, there's yeah, not what, I mean, what can else can you do? You it's this rocks. And so yeah. you're gonna criticize, you know, how overweight the babe was. I mean, what are you gonna <laughs> oh, do? Come on. You had a lot of hot dogs. All okay? right. So Heat 2, these are more like your life nostalgia, I think. The first one is going to be Come Dancing by The Kinks. This was a song that was uh, written in uh, 1982 and released in 1983 on The Kinks' album State of Confusion. The song was inspired by Ray Davies' memories of his older sister, Renee, who was a dancing aficionado. she got around. She liked to dance. She liked to get out and about. And she uh, ultimately, sadly, died of a heart attack while dancing at a dance hall. She, oh, my God. She had entered into a uh, like a post-war marriage with a Canadian, it sounds like. All right. And ended up going to live with him in, in, Can- in Canada. In Canada. Can- Canada. In Canada. In Canada. And he, and he was uh, evidently abusive. So she would oh, go wow. home from time to time and visit. And she came home to visit her family and was staying with them. It was around his 13th birthday. She gifted him with a guitar and then went dancing and died of a heart attack while at the dance hall. The lyrics are sung from the perspective of an East End Barrow boy and are about the boy's sister going on dates at a local dance hall. It reached number six on the Hot 100 in the United States largely because of the uh, frequent playing of the video, which was directed by Julian Temple, and they played that on MTV on a high rotation. I remember it being... Heavily, heavily played. And I loved it. Others have suggested that the character that is played by Ray Davies in the video is um, colloquially known as a shiv, which is a like a British yeah, bad not, yeah. guy. You know, I mean, right? I mean, I'm a bit of a shiv, right? Yeah, it? that's it. In yeah. this song, he was asked to kind of tone down his English accent, but he yeah. played it up. He refused to do oh, that. Yeah, okay, for so for me, the song has nostalgia for his past. Yeah. Uh, it's a nostalgia that probably resonated uh, with many people even that weren't in his age cohort because of its sort of post-war like the whole post-war thing 1950s 1940s 1950s was very very prevalent at the time so for even me who i never lived through the 1950s watching something like that i would have recognized that as something that people were longing for it also is nostalgic in the sense that it's sort of ruining the progress that is happening because of course course, he's talking about the Dance hall being torn down, and then there was a fucking parking lot. Parking lot, yeah. Ray Davies and his brother Dave Davies hated each other. Did not get along. They were they would fucking have fist fights backstage (laughs) before concerts because because my brother told me (laughs) your brother opened for them at one point. Yeah. As on the road. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at the video and then we will come back and discuss the nostalgic elements to it. Another Saturday, another date. She would be ready, but she'd always make him wait. In the hallway, in anticipation. He didn't know the night would end up in frustration. He'd end up blowing all his wages for the week. Oh, for a cuddle and a peck on the cheek Come dancing That's how they did it when I was just a kid And when they said come dancing My sister always did it's definitely reflecting sadness for days gone by, mm-hmm. right? Remember when we had the pally? Mm-hmm. Remember when my sister was free? But like in a longing way, in a way like too oh, bad yeah. this is gone. And I like this because it does have a story. I like these videos that have a clear right. narrative. These are very enjoyable to me. I love the interplay between the, like this girl and just her life, this life of freedom. And as a woman, I mean, as a young woman, I didn't get this. But as a as a woman now, I look at that and I think, yeah, I really understand. Because she's in this video, even though it's an, a nostalgic video and it takes place in a, you know days gone by, 
she's a very empowered person. And she is and she's she's, she's like, in that I want I want to go dancing, so I'm going to use you to go dancing. <laughs> but go dance. guess what? You're only going to get a cuddle and a peck on the cheek yeah. and that's it. And that's right? all and you're going to spend a week's worth of Yeah, wages. you're going to spend all your money and And uh, the mother is there, you know, I mean it's just it's family and all of the rest. I really yeah. I I love I love this video. And the little brother sister relationship makes me think a little bit of Almost Famous. Remember, his sister was the one in Almost Famous. Yeah. Kind of turned him on to that whole music, music and everything. And yeah. The, kind of the more libertine yeah, aspect of lifestyle. Yeah. Of the lifestyle. And that's what, you know, obviously this predates Almost Famous by, you know, a decade or yeah. so. Yeah, oh, more, yeah. He idolizes and idealizes his sister. Uh-huh. She's a cool, fun, party girl. Everybody wants to go out with her. Then the other thing is, is that at the end here, when they're, when it's now the kinks and they're playing yeah, in the band I'm a famous and now he's, and a, he's playing in a band and what's happening is his sister's in the front row Yeah, and she's just kind of standing there. She's moving a little bit, but right. not much. And everybody else around is going crazy. And then the boyfriend is up in the the old boyfriend yeah the boyfriend is up in the uh, balcony yeah. and Nigel. he's Nigel he's standing is there i've decided <laughs> okay and he's standing Nige. there and not really moving and yeah. i feel like they are they've lost that no i feel like dancing feeling no they're meant to be ghosts i think that they're oh, just yeah. memories or ghosts or like um not not necessarily real ghosts but right. i feel like they're just spirits of the spirits of the of Pally's past. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a great video, but really let's go is. through, let's go through and do, right. Let's go through and do the tropes. So first of all, black and white for gravitas. No, no. this is in color and it's never not in color. Right. Um, Even when they're playing like in the old big band, yeah. you know, setup, still in color. Yeah. Um, uh, what else do we have Hair As a character? No, no. Although, I mean the boyfriend, is definitely defined by his look. His look, but I don't think his hair is a character. His yeah. hair isn't really like overtaking. It's the just scene. it's just grease back. Yeah. Yeah. And Women as a prop. No. No. She's. He very would empowered. like it if she was more of a prop, but she's not. Post-apocalyptic or uh, apocalyptic. Obviously, symbolism. everywhere. Just everywhere. There's so many bombs. There are none. It's just you know that this takes place in the Cold War, but there's yeah. no in there's no like sense of urgency or right, fear right. or anything like that. And yeah. then um The only bomb is, you know, future construction. <laughs> meaningless symbolism. I don't think so. No. I think it's a pretty straightforward narrative. All right. So that's but that one. So what you do you give, give it? That. You've a got, this rocks. If you don't give this a this rocks, how are what we? Are, how are, what are you doing with your life? I know. I've not had. I don't think that we've ever had an episode are, where we had three this rocks. So are, we go, ooh, this is gonna like. I know. It's a lot of pressure on Bruce. On Bruce <laughs> on Glory Days. Uh, Glory Days by mm -hmm. the Boss. Bruce yes. Springsteen, mm -hmm. uh, was released in 1985. It was the fifth single from Born in the USA. It's a Iconic album. Oh, of course it is. I mean, it's, you know. From the cover to almost every single song on it's, it. It's really, Bruce is really kind of moving into a little bit more pop rock. Yeah. Right? Than when he did in like Nebraska or, you know, some uh -huh. of the earlier albums where uh -huh. he's basically just trying to be Bob Dylan. Yeah. But he's really found his voice mm -hmm. and his sound. It peaked at the, at number five mm -hmm. on the Billboard Hot 100. What year was this? 85. Okay. It's a serial comic oh. song. There was at one point, we, we won't see it here, but there was an alternate verse about uh, his dad oh. and how his dad would work in the factory or whatever because, you know, he's Bruce Springsteen. So he's like, all right, am I talking about cars? No, not in this one. You know, I better talk <laughs> about how my I had a shitty relationship with my dad, right? Because <laughs> like... Oh, so uh, John Sales was the director of this video. Oh, John Sales. He wrote Eight Men Out That's and also, saying. I think, directed yeah. and was in the movie of Eight yeah. Men Out. Now, a little bit interesting are the people who appear in this in this video. All right. So let's so see. So you got Stephen Van Zandt, okay. who had already left the band. Oh. He was out of the E Street band at this point. Really? But they invited him back because he had played on this album. Oh, okay. So they brought him back. And his job was mostly to come up to the microphone and roll his eyes you know, next to Bruce, <laughs> he would be doing harmonies, right? Oh, so okay. he would come in, but he would roll his eyes really strangely. I think he might have been a little bit drunk. But also in this video, at the end, you'll see a cameo from Bruce's then wife, Julianne, Julianne Moore, uh, uh, Phillips. Phillips, mm -hmm. right? 
But also in this video, Patty Schialfa, <laughs> who was the wife. other woman. And I yeah. suspect they were probably banging already. Oh. And maybe Julianne didn't know that at that point. So it's because it, Patty wasn't, didn't sing on that song, but he brought her in for the video. Oh, so, I thought that she was in his band. She was, but not until after that album. Oh, okay. All right. Very so that's a little gossip. Yeah, a little bit, a little All bit right. of tension there. So now let's talk about the nostalgia level in this song. Well, I mean, it's it was based on a personal anecdote that Bruce was relating, basically where he basically saw this guy he knew in high school who was a great baseball player. Mm -hmm. And that's really, you know, it's the classic he peaked in high school, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's and nothing really happened for this guy after that, and that's all he ever talked about was, you know, back in the day when he was this really good pitcher. Mm -hmm. So and he's living his nostalgia. Like his whole life is living through. He's basically, yeah, he's living in his past. In his past. That's kind of sad. And I think that's a cautionary tale. 100%. Right? Okay, so this is nostalgic, but is it anti-nostalgia? Well, let's watch the video. All right. And then we'll talk about it And then it we'll talk bit. about it. All right, let's, let's do that. anti-nostalgic mm -hmm. in my feeling okay right because he's basically saying this guy that i'm singing about who he also by he the way plays in, he plays in the, the character in the video right but this guy i'm talking about lives in the past mm -hmm. and that's all he talks about now i think that the character that he shows in the video he shows him in a little bit more positive light mm -hmm. than the guy he's talking about that he ran into in the bar who basically is just like oh hey it's bruce come on let's go in and we'll drink some beers and i'll we'll talk about that state championship mm -hmm. or whatever it was but um you know he's he's basically saying that you know i hope that i when i get older i don't just sit around thinking about these things, but I probably will. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's natural, right? I mean, right. I, I talk about, you know, things from my youth and sure. I understand I that nobody's really lot of interested do. in it than, other than me, mm -hmm. right? Which is fine. But I make you listen to it because you're on, you're listening to my podcast. <laughs> so, tough titties. Well, but that's it, right? I mean, we are doing Gen X temporaneous because people are nostalgic for Gen sure. X. You know, as I said in a recent episode, I think about Ferris Bueller, I'm getting protective of the 80s because yeah. I don't like to see misrepresentations of it. Right. Get it straight, people. So Bruce is playing this guy and doing a concert video. He goes down to his local bar. He has beer call with the guys. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the old days. And then he goes and he, he takes a bucket of balls out to the baseball field, sets up a strike zone, and has an imaginary game that mm -hmm. he plays in his head. And he lost to the San Diego Padres because Greg Nettles is a very good hitter. <laughs> so, you know, he touched him. I think Nettles only played for the Padres for like three years, but it mm -hmm. happened to be, he happened to play for them in, during 80, in 85. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's saying basically you can get lost in those days and you know, not just romanticize them, but just live in them yeah. and not do anything else. But what you do see is in the video, like you said, although he's singing about that as if he's really stuck in it, yeah. you can see that he's not. I mean, he's, he's kind, he he's kind, kind of, about he's it. got a, he's got a foot back there. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, he's still engaged with his small son and, sure. you know, so, but you know, he's working, he's working a blue collar job, whatever he was doing there. Right. So that's tough work. Yeah. And this is his kind of escape. But he is kind, I think, to kinder to the character in the video than maybe he is in the song. In the song, yeah. And um, well, because in the song he's talking about someone else. In yeah. the video, he's embodying the person right. he's speaking about. So he's like, about. "Hey, I can't be a total I don't want to really be this bad guy, <laughs> yeah, right?" Exactly. So he's he's straddling. He's being a little bit more measured in his his. Um, Although I would say he's still very nostalgic. Oh, that, no doubt. That character is extremely nostalgic. Yeah. Okay, let's go through tropes. All right. Black and white for gravitas. N nope. Not a single bit mm -hmm. of it. Um, hair as a Certainly character. Not. Nope. 
women as a prop a little bit. A little bit that the waitress is a little bit of a prop. Okay, because she was a real looker back in high school. Now she's just slinging beers. And she's at slinging the thing. beers, and then she's just kind of like, you know, bopping she's around. she's bopping through there, and, and it's like she's, it looks like she's got this struggle happening. So I don't know if it's a prop, but it is to me a little bit. I looked I at it and I thought. I thought you were going to say Patty Scalfa was, a, was no, a prop. No, no. Meaningless symbolism? Nope. Not really. And did we have any other than that? Oh, post-apocalyptic and apocalyptic symbolism. No, nope, nothing exploded. No, nope, nothing like Although that. Although Bruce might be in a little bit of trouble with Julianne, but <laughs> that so, but it's about to be it's a, seen. So like a half of a point for potential woman as a prop. I guess so, yeah. Not really so, very many tropes. It wasn't a very 80s video other than it did have a story, like a narrative story that mm-hmm. continued beyond the song. Which was something that, you know, some of the videos would do back then. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. He yeah. did a lot of that, Bruce, actually. Yeah. He did not for Born in the USA, but for, uh, you know, I'm on Fire and this yeah. and some others. Right. He did little, narratives, little, little, bit little, of, little movies. little so. vignette. I liked it. I liked it. It's a yes. It's a pretty good song. But yeah, I'll give it a yes. A yes, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. good, but it's, it's not just Bruce's it's like a yes. greatest. Work. No, I'm on fire is by far his best video. Yeah. If you if you really look at his videos, right. that's his best video, I think. I would even give Dancing in the Dark uh, this rocks just because of the dancing. Yeah. All right. So nostalgia, I think we really did a good job on, on looking at nostalgia. We have three songs, though, that had this rocks as their score. Can yeah. we pick out one that we think is probably the best? Yeah, absolutely. Center field. You're going to say center field. I am. Um, I mean, it's not the most complex message, but fuck it. I don't care. It's baseball. I'm going to go with Come Dancing, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to say that that's one's a very, my favorite. That's a very good video. No doubt about it. It's much more 80s than the others. Yeah. I would say Come Dancing. For me, my list would be like this. Come Dancing, um, and then Boys of Summer, and then Centerfield. Oh, and so then confused. <laughs> well, I mean, and then the last one is... Uh, Glory Days by Van Lingle Mungo is turning over in his grave. Sorry. It's the way I feel. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, this has been a fun episode. Thank you, everyone, for coming and listening to us. We really appreciate you supporting us on Patreon each month. Our podcast Twitter page is Extemporaneous2. My personal Twitter is at Christina Jen X. Mark's is at Mark Eats Peach. As I have in- invited people before, come and follow us on our personal pages so that you can see online female relational aggression <laughs> and jokes. hard at work and jokes <laughs> and you can see me troll various Mark political troll figures but we interact so please come and follow us and again thank you so much for coming and listening to us and i'm just gonna say good night peace out cub scouts wow so what i did the other day was and it was just a bit of a joke all right it was a joke was, you put up the adamant picture right i was like what you think you look like in the 80s mm-hmm. and what you really look like but in did the you 80s. ever in your life really think you looked like adamant no but i 80s? thought I, but if i picture myself i think of myself as cooler more cutting edge more duran duran and i put up the picture of me it was in like 1981 where I'm wearing like a soccer t-shirt and I'm holding my nose. I Like it wasn't cool. All right, so let's just say this. As a young teenager in high school, you would have aspired to actually be me. 